Welcome to Dog Talk and Kitties Too. This episode features one of the three guests who were part of my weekly hour-long NPR show broadcast over the air every Sunday on WLIW-FM 88.3, the only NPR station on Long Island, where it is broadcast continuously for 14 years. I'm Tracy Hotchner. I wrote the Dog Bible, Everything Your Dog Wants You to Know, as well as the Cat Bible, Everything Your Cat Expects You to Know. I'm also the founder and director of the New York Dog Film Festival. The 8th annual New York City premiere will be October 2023, along with the 5th annual New York Cat Film Festival before traveling the country, supporting local animal welfare groups. This show is about dogs, cats, and other creatures who share the planet with us. Please check out my other Pet Talk podcasts at TracyHotchnerPets.com. I would not be able to bring you this show without the generous support of Dr. Elsie's, the privately owned litter and cat food company founded by Dr. Bruce Elsie, a feline-only veterinarian. He personally created many styles of litter to make sure that even the fussiest cats would not have out-of-litter box problems, the number one reason people abandon their kitties. Dr. Elsie also created his own brand of cat food called Clean Protein, the first dry cat food I can recommend because it's based on the protein found in a cat's natural prey. This show would not be possible without the longtime support from Waruva, the pet food company founded and privately run by David Foreman, who named it after his rescued kitties, Webster, Rudy, and Vanessa. Waruva is a quirky name for a company with whimsical names for the dozens of different cans and pouches of cat food they make. But what sets them apart is how serious David is about high-quality nutrition. They were the first pet food company to use human edible ingredients and process them in the same facilities that make human food. Other pet food companies may have copied them over time, but Waruva remains privately owned and run, accountable only to their own high standards, not investors who focus on profits. I'm delighted to have Justin Goodman back on the show, although as I always say to you guys, when the White Coat Waste Project sends me information, it's sort of Bad news, good news. The bad news is the horrors being visited on animals with our taxpayer dollars. Part of the money you just sent in April is going to these things. But at least White Coat Waste Project and some other really fine people, including legislators, are working against it. Justin, it was pretty horrifying to me being a, a an alumnus of University of Pennsylvania and having many veterinary friends who are very proud graduates of their veterinary school, one of the most famous in the country, to discover that you guys looked into federal records and showed that in 2021, there were over 4,000 dogs and cats locked in over a dozen Pennsylvania experimentation labs, including those at UPenn, Temple, and Pitt. So, Let's hear how you guys are going at getting the money out of this story, because that's what you—that's what your catchphrase is: "Stop the money, stop the waste," or vice versa. That's right. That's right, Tracy. And I—I I know you—you uh, you had connections to UPenn and uh, had a feeling you'd be particularly interested in oh, yeah. this new development. You know, so most of our work historically is focused on taxpayer funding at the federal level because. A majority of animal testing in the U.S. is funded by taxpayer dollars uh, that, we, as you said, we paid in April. So about $20 billion a year on, is being spent on animal testing. Uh, and we've been working with legislators, House and Senate members, Republicans and Democrats in U.S. Congress to cut the funding. We've had a lot of success 
cutting off funding for dog and cat testing inside federal agencies and cracking down on some of the testing happening in places, taxpayer-funded universities outside of the federal government. Um, but one approach, another approach we've taken is making sure that state taxpayers not only are aware of how their money is being spent, but that it's not being wasted for these cruel and wasteful experiments on dogs and cats. Um, back in 2018 or 19, I believe, we were running a campaign against the Department of Veterans Affairs against right. horrendous dog testing. Mm-hmm. And they were uh, injecting latex into puppies' arteries to give them heart attacks and then forcing them to run on treadmills to stress their hearts. And we discovered that not only was federal tax money being spent on this waste and abuse, but state taxpayer dollars are being were funding these projects. So we worked with Bill Stanley, a Virginia state senator, who was actually behind um, a lot of the success getting those 4,000 in Vigo beagles out. That's of right. That horrendous breeding facility last night. Bill Stanley led the charge to not only end that abuse, but also enact some great legislation. Um, but back in 2018, when we worked with him, he advanced a bill and enacted a bill that cut state taxpayer funding for painful experiments on dogs and cats, resulting in the end of some of those experiments. So now we're trying to do the same thing in in Pennsylvania. We're working on the federal level to cut funding for experiments on cats and dogs, but we've discovered that a lot of, to your point, a lot of these institutions that are not only receiving federal funding, but that are state-funded institutions, or at least receiving some state funding, are also abusing thousands of dogs and cats. Uh, And taxpayers in the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania are footing the bill for that twice not only on the state level, but the federal level. So these animal experimenters are double dipping, you know, and taxpayers don't like this. They don't want to pay for this waste and abuse in the first place. And it's happened in secret for the most part. Most people in Pennsylvania Pennsylvania and across the country don't realize that their tax dollars are paying for this type of uh, animal cruelty in these laboratories. It makes me wonder if the labs at University of Pennsylvania, they're obviously in the veterinary college. They're not in the philosophy department. So... Are the veterinary students and their professors aware of this? And if they're aware of it, how much does it hurt them ethically and emotionally to have to be part of this and maybe feel they have no choice themselves? I mean, some of the things you're talking about are not only painful experiments, but the dogs are surgically debarked so they can't cry out. And then the dogs cannot be adopted out right now under Pennsylvania law. So when the testing ends, I guess their lives end, which given how horrible the testing is, you know, maybe that's a better conclusion. But of course, if you could be adopted out like Maryland and New York, which are near Pennsylvania, you've been successful in making sure that animals that are used in decent tests that are conducted decently and have some purpose to them can be adopted out. I think what's disturbing is to know that You have these 4,000 dogs in labs in Pennsylvania, and, you know, it's not like some creepy movie with some, you know, mindless, heartless, soulless person rubbing their hands together and filling their pockets with dollars. There might be people who have no feelings, but I can assure you the people in the University of Pennsylvania Vet School, this is really hard on them. If they're forced to be part of this, there's no way that they're comfortable with it, even leaving aside the financial part. But the fact that you have figured out the way to make the law work on behalf of animals, you it, to understand this clearly, there's money flowing in from federal funds, and then there's money flowing in from state funds, and you're trying to turn the tap off on both ends. Is that right? That's absolutely right. And 
you know, it's really an insult to injury to both not only these animals, the literal, literal injury to the animals, but also to the taxpayers and Americans all over Pennsylvania who, you know, a majority of people oppose this type of testing. So not only are we being forced to pay for the testing in the first place, then these hapless animals who are being tortured, if they're healthy enough to survive at the end of experiments, they're being killed anyway because the state doesn't have a lab animal retirement law like 15 others do. So really what we're working on now with Senator Doug Mastriano, Republican from Pennsylvania, is kind of a comprehensive solution to some of these problems. So his bill, which um, is uh, SB 658 for any listeners in Pennsylvania who might want to reach out, um, it cuts funding for painful experiments, like cut state funding for painful experiments on cats and dogs, requires that laboratories experimenting on cats and dogs with state funding um, allow those animals to be adopted out at the end of experimentation. It makes sure that these labs are not spending money uh, from taxpayers to devocalize cats and dogs, to cut out their vocal cords so the dogs can't bark and bark and cry out in the laboratories. And it would improve transparency about uh, how money is being spent and require that these facilities disclose to the public how they're spending taxpayers' money, what they're doing to dogs and cats in these laboratories, and that the government is keeping an account, is accounting for how much money is being spent on these projects. Right now, it's a complete black box. We, you know, Most people don't know what's happening to the animals, where it's happening, and what it costs, and we're trying to change that. I, I really appreciate you doing it because there's a line that you often say <clears throat> when we're talking to each other, and I always want to interrupt you because you say the majority, or sometimes you say the supermajority of Americans don't want this testing to be done. Hello, Justin, is there one American who wants this to be done, who's comfortable with it? I mean, these, you know, puppies injected with cocaine and latex and and debarking and, and painful experiments, no pain medication. And in the end of the day, it's this churn of grants and grant approvals and studies and tests that all wind up kind of, it seems to me, uh, against a dead end or a brick wall. And like, what was that even done for? Oh, right. It keeps all that money flowing yep. from one place to another. It's just, it seems to me, it's a money churn, and animals are used as the kind of the petri dish, if you will. It, the fact that White Coat Waste Project is able to break into the black boxes and see what is being done. And, I mean, you analyze federal records. How do you do that? I mean, I hope that, that people listening who are legally minded are interested in in some way, giving money to White Coat Waste Project, volunteering their time as a, I don't know, a legal aid, a, just a smart person or a lawyer or whatever it is that you need, it must take an, a massive amount of time to get into these reports, to physically, I guess, I don't know if they're physical anymore. It's not like something in a 1960s movie where people are taking file folders out in their, you know, <laughs> in their in their raincoat. But, I mean, how do you do it? So our method, we because mainly we work on federal policy, we use the acronym FED, Find, Expose, Defund. So, oh. and the F is kind of where what the area you're talking about right now, which is the research investigations end of things. We are um, we have a team of researchers who use federal spending databases uh, and triangulate that information with published scientific papers as well as documents we obtained through state and federal Freedom of Information Act requests. 
Every year, we're submitting hundreds of records requests to state and federal agencies asking for more information and documentation about the use of animals in taxpayer-funded experiments. And very often, we obtain documentation, including emails, project proposals, um, detailed applications for animal experimentation, where you can see from the outset what the, you know, what the intentions of the experimenters are, what's going to happen to the animals and what taxpayers are expected to get out of it. And we find time and again, to your point, there's so many of these projects that are absolutely wasteful, don't really have any adequate justification, but it is part of, unfortunately, animal testing is big business, the 20, yes. $20 billion plus industry. And that's just the funding for the animal laboratories, you know, the coming for the actual experiments that has nothing to do with the company, as we've talked about before, there's companies that make their money trans breeding animals, dogs, cats, and other animals specifically to be tortured in experiments that transport the animals, that build the cages, that build yes, they they build these sick restraint devices that are designed specifically to torture animals and immobilize them so they can't move while they're being abused, while they're having holes drilled into them or injected with poison. Um, and these are things taxpayer that are happening right onto taxpayers' noses, and most of us have no idea what's going on. So we feel like it's our obligation. Obviously, it's our mission as an organization, but it's our obligation to taxpayers across the country, to animals, to animal lovers, to anybody who cares about this issue for whatever reason, to get that information out of the open and let taxpayers decide if the price is right. And I can guarantee you, in most cases, they won't come to that conclusion. Well, the price is really wrong. I mean, we'd all pay money to have it stop because of the madness. I mean, it is a form of madness, but it's part of a capitalist society that's kind of run amok. One of the things that was being done, if I recall, when you guys and probably the humane society, the various humane societies were successful in changing some federal laws on what could legally be done or not in America in terms of the horrors visited on dogs and cats in particular – and people who really love bunnies and rats, honestly, they suffer just as much. We just, not as many of us have them as pets, but a lot of us do now. Now that I have my show Exotic Pets, I'm learning a lot more about bunnies and rats. <laughs> but, I, I mean, it's like eye-opening, wow, millions and millions of beloved bunnies and rats. All these animals are being tortured because that's what the way we've always done it, folks. And wasn't a lot of this shipped to China and Russia? And you've been able to put a bit of a cork in that bottle. So now it's all back on our shore, the, the Travis. Yeah. Yeah, we've been we've been trying to crack down. We have a worldwide waste campaign through which we're targeting these. The, the, national, the U.S. federal government through the National Institutes of Health is shipping over our estimate is between, you know, probably about two hundred million dollars a year to that's what the government recently estimated. Two hundred million dollars a year to uh, foreign animal testing labs wow. for experiments. And the U.S. government specifically exempts these labs from having to abide by any of the oversight rules that, ab that apply to domestic laboratories here at home. So we're shipping tax dollars to foreign countries where the same, some places they have no laws at all protecting animals in laboratories and telling them they're exempt. They don't have to report back. They don't have to send, you know, they don't have to send us any information. They don't have to abide by our laws. Just take this money and we trust that you're going to do the right thing with it. It's outrageous. It's so asinine and crazy. It so is. We have been trying to crack down on that. We've, we've, we've cut off all the labs in Russia, thank God. They were crippling cats and making them run on treadmills with U.S. tax money. 
We cut those experiments off. The Biden administration cut off all the labs in Russia following our campaign, which is great. We've made progress elsewhere, cracking down on dangerous virus experiments overseas. Um, but yeah, this is a this is a global problem. And to be honest, the, this is the global problem being fed primarily by the U.S. government and the fact that it is perfectly happy at this moment in time to fund these horrendous this, these horrendous experiments both at home and abroad. Um, but public opinion about this is changing dramatically and very quickly. Uh, and we have more members of Congress, the U.S. Congress at the federal level than ever, Democrats, Republicans, independents, uh, and the state level as well, working with us to find this abuse, expose it, and defund it. White Coat Waste Project, you rock. You're doing amazing work for all of us and for all the animals. Justin, thank you for being here and for waving this flag over and over and over. At least you're seeing success, and that must be a good reward. But we want you to keep on keeping on. Everybody reach out to your own representatives on anything that that touches on animals. And White Coat Waste Project's website will show you how to do that. Thank you again, Justin. Thanks, Tracy. Thanks for listening. There are a few more special companies that make this show possible. I hope you will try their products because they support my mission to entertain you with valuable information and advice. This show is supported by Wonderside, a company founded and run by a woman entrepreneur who wanted to find an effective natural way to keep fleas, ticks, and other pests away from her pets and home instead of putting toxic chemicals in or on them. Wonderside makes plant-powered products to keep parasites at bay without dousing your pets and property with ingredients that are harmful to them and the planet. The show is also underwritten by Evermore Pet Food, privately owned by two dedicated women who take human edible, ethically sourced ingredients and gently cook dog food that is then frozen in pouches and shipped right to your door. They founded and run their own company and have been doing that for 14 years and answer only to their own high standards without interference from venture capital investors. I'm also grateful to Earth Animal also privately owned by Dr. Bob and Susan Goldstein, where they create holistic pet wellness products with an emphasis on their stewardship of the Pet Sustainability Coalition. Earth Animal makes a dazzling array of healing products for dogs and cats, as well as the innovative Dog Chew No Hide and the Hybrid Dog Food Wisdom, which is sometimes all that my picky blue Weimarano Maisie will eat.